too much weight. She's going to come down at the head. Now the pump's working. Maybe we got an hour, maybe two. And then she's going to break right here by the engine compartment. Right there by the reciprocating engines. That's where she's going to break. How do I know that? Because I built the bloody ship. I know how she lives and I know how she's going to die. I was listening to the last minutes of a man's life, a man I have known intimately since childhood. He has been with me in dreams, flashes of conscious memory, and through inexplicable feelings of foreboding. Throughout my life, I've experienced what I can best describe as a double memory, that is, a conscious recollection of experiences, sights, sounds, smells, and events that are not part of my present life's experience, yet they are as real and as clear as any memory I have from my current life, which began on April 14, 1953, in Cleveland, Ohio, the 41st anniversary of the Titanic disaster. My earliest recollections of this other life came when I was three years old. I knew my name was Tommy, yet my mother called me Billy. I knew I had three brothers, but where were they? If I got mad at my mother, I'd tell her, I want you to write my Uncle William in Belfast straight away and tell him that I want to come home. Of course, we had no relatives in Northern Ireland. Our family came from Italy. It was very confusing. During that time, I drew pictures of a ship with four smokestacks, explaining that this was my ship, but it had died. The first time I connected my memories with Titanic was in 1959 at the age of six. I was watching the 1953 film version of Titanic with Barbara Stanwyck. It was instant recognition. I remember saying, that's my ship, that's the ship I built. The movie portrayed the ship's damage from the iceberg as a big gash. I got excited and indignant. It's all wrong, I yelled. It wasn't a big hole. It was lots of little holes. As the movie model slipped beneath the water, I exclaimed, and she broke apart, too. My carrying on during the movie exasperated my father so that he beat me with a strap. I remember he told me, you are going to a place with a lot of bad people if you keep using your imagination this way and talking about your imaginary friend Tommy. It's not an imaginary friend, I retorted. It's me. With that, Dad beat me a second time and sent me to my room. There were also the relentless nightmares. A huge ship looming above me, piercing screams, heated arguments, the frigid water stabbing at my body, a peach-colored mass of steel falling on me, and again and again I would wake up crying. Looking for solace, clarity or some evidence that I wasn't crazy, I shared my experiences with a nun at a Catholic grammar school. She said I was involved with the devil and I should ask God's forgiveness. Between my father's beatings and the nun's threats of eternal damnation, I grew up anxious and scared. I feared that there was something terribly wrong with me. I had to hide my sin from everyone I knew. Any time the thought of Titanic came to mind, I said the Catholic act of contrition. From age six until well into a young adulthood, I repeated that prayer many times a day. As a sophomore in Catholic school, I recall looking out a window at Lake Erie on a cold March day. The mere sight of breaking ice packs on the lake transported me aboard a sinking ship. 
This was more than a daydream. On one particular day, I apparently did not respond to Brother Gensler's wax on my arm, and I felt myself being bodily dragged out of my seat and taken to the principal's office. There I was, an American teenager speaking with a Gaelic accent and yelling, Ladies, you can't pick and choose your boats. Stop milling about and get into the little boats. At age 25, I moved to Washington, D.C., where I sought the help of a counselor who used hypnosis as a means of relaxation. During the session, I heard myself arguing about the ship's design. At the instant I came out of the trance, I sat up and said, My name is Tommy Andrews. It was the first time I had heard the full name. At 38, I got married for the second time, and with my new wife, Mary Ann, moved to the Arizona desert. Late one night, I woke Mary Ann as I argued loudly in my sleep, calling out names she didn't recognize, all the while speaking with a pronounced accent. By the 1990s, the years of suppressing my thoughts and reliving the nightmares finally took their toll and pulled me into a deep depression. My professional and personal life deteriorated, my self-esteem evaporated, and I contemplated suicide in the desert. After being ordered to seek help, I began an odyssey of physical, psychological, and psychiatric evaluations. In 1997, I was referred to Dr. Frank Baranowski, a therapist who had used regression therapy with great success in helping people overcome phobias. I told Dr. Baranowski my story. Unfazed, he led me to a leather recliner and set up a microphone and audio tape recorder. He then took my right hand, cradled it gently, and pressed his fingers into the center of my palm as he began to direct my breathing. This will never work, I thought, smiling inwardly. That was my last conscious thought. Please join Dr. Frank Baranowski and American rancher William Barnes on an extraordinary journey into the past. The voices you will hear are not actors. The voices belong to a psychologist and his client and were recorded live on location in a small office in Phoenix, Arizona. Two different regression sessions, one recorded in 1997, the other in the year 2000, were used in this presentation. Occasional fluctuations in sound quality are due to differences in the original recordings. I want you to relax now. Just sort of let yourself go, Bill. You must forgive me, but uh, you look familiar, but I, I can't think of your name. How are you called? Tommy. I see Tommy. And your father's name? He's also Tommy. Yeah, but he must have a last name, for God's sake. Andrews, me boy. I see. Tommy Andrews. Well, now. I'll give you my fist. What's the name of this place where you live? Is this a town? My home is Argara. I see. Comer, I was born in Ulster, northern part of Ireland. Do you have any brothers or sisters? There's William. Who's William? My brother is named for my uncle. I want you to look down at your shoes for me, and, and you can see your shoes now. I, I want you to tell me, what is the color of the shoes you're wearing today? Black and white are my cricket shoes. I see. Oh, do you play cricket? I like to play cricket. Well, I, I thought there's a... Aren't you a bit young for that now? We play it in school all the time. Well, great now. 
Good. Pretty good. Can you hit the ball all the time? Uh, if you did not like the way I did it, I'll hit you with the bat. Oh, I, oh, I love it. I, I think it's fine. Uh, but I, I, I was thinking that reading and writing are the things that are more important. That's what my father says. I like it all right, but I like the cricket. Ah, very good. Uh, what does your father do for his livelihood now? He's a constable and a judge. Oh, that sounds like a dangerous job. No, no, he has other people doing the work and he makes decisions. And he's a fair man? Aye, but he says I have no mind for the law. And he's right, but... Well, why would he say that now? Because <laughs> I'm always playing. Well, it's good if he can do it. Uh, but have you, have you given any thought about what you'd like to do when you, when you become a man? Aye. What's in your heart, lad? Well, I was getting around to it, you know, to talk to my dad. He didn't like me to call him dad, you know. I do it to make him angry. <laughs> what is he it? likes father. Oh, he likes father better, is But if I want to get his attention, I say, hey, dad. <laughs> Sounds like you have a bit of a rascal in you now. Uh, I get in trouble with my dad sometimes. I remember the first time he got got angry with me. I like to play with my bees. I like bees, you know. I didn't know that. Aye. He got to me a beehive. When I was a little boy, about ten, they got real cold. So I took a handful of them and put them in my hat and brought them into the kitchen. Oh, did Maggie get angry? <laughs> Who's Maggie? The cook. Oh, I see. I see. But you didn't tell me what's, what's in your heart. What, what do you want to do? You, you know.